Good morning. You would not believe the ordeal I just went through back there. The audacity. The audacity of, I forget, yeah, the indignant audacity, yeah. No, man, this thing is really invading my space. All right, so, no, it was like, it, like my mic was all falling apart, then Eric Case stepped on it, and then, like, my battery pack fell off, and then, like, I'm listening to it, I'm like, you know, the video, I'm like, ah, but I made it, it's all cool. All right, let's just pray so I, the pastor can just settle his heart and I uh, got all this anxiety and I don't want to come out like, ah, 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 ah. so, uh, just, <laughs> oh, dear God, just uh, thank you for this day and um, now that I've given everybody else a panic attack, uh, that uh, just settle our hearts as we continue uh, to go through your, your Sermon on the Mount and God, I just, God, we are just uh, humans just trying to figure out um, how, to, how to navigate through this, this life and to do it in a way that glorifies you, in a way that uh, inspires those around us. God, we confess, uh, at least I confess, that I don't always do that well. In fact, uh, probably more times than not, I don't. But God, we come to you in, in humility and in gratitude that, that, that you love us and accept us and that the eyes that you look at us through are not the eyes that we look at ourselves. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we come to a place like this and sometimes it can, it can feel a little bit routine or, or mundane. And I was thinking about, about this. My daughter and I, I know I've talked about this, did, did an Ironman last month. And uh, in, the, in the swim... Uh, it's a 2.4-mile swim, open, open water swim, and I don't know if you've ever swam in the, in the open water, but it's very easy to get off course. So what they do is about every, you know, 500 yards or so, they have a buoy. And it's interesting, like as you're swimming along, uh, you kind of get off track in between those those buoys each time, but you, you, every so often you look up and you look for that buoy, and then you kind of head for that buoy, and it kind of just keeps you on track for the whole the whole uh, race. And there's nothing special about each buoy. I mean, they're all the same basically, and uh, they're in different places, and they're they come in different places of your your journey. Uh, but they're not like, you never stop and go, wow, look at the craftsmanship of that buoy. That's really interesting, you know, or something like that. And, and, and a lot of ways, that's what, what church, you know, coming here on a Sunday uh, is for, for a Christian, that, that sometimes you know, you're, you're not going to be, you know, just absolutely wowed. You know, we know most of the songs. We had a couple, you know, a new song today, but a lot, you know, it's, you know, a lot of the same songs, and, and, you know, we've only had one Bible, as long as I can remember, and so a lot of these stories that we've heard again and again and again, but 
these things are important for our overall journey, right? That, that with, without, without the stories of our faith and the stories of our lives and the songs, the, you know, the, the, the soundtrack of our faith, that, that it'd be very easy for us to, to get off track and end up you know, swimming in a weird direction or something like that. So I was just thinking about that and just that, you know, there's the connection with one another and, and, and but there's also this powerful thing of just a reminder, you know, it's that, that you know, that church is Sunday morning gathering, that, that it's this buoy in the sea of life that, that, that redirects us. And I think that's special and I think that that's important in somebody's, in somebody's life. So today we're, we're continuing on in the, you know, the kind of like one of these buoys and, and Jesus in his sermon is really talking about, about sin and separation and, and even uh, starts to write the classic ACDC song, Highway to Hell, right? That's, that's in the scripture, that, you know, in, 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 in a way, you know, that's a, that's a biblical song and... Uh, <laughs> So, you can look at it any way you want, but, but, but he did take the lines out of Jesus' words. So, uh, we're going to begin uh, or continue in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and, and, and Jesus, again, is talking really about how, how to follow him well. Like those of us who are, who are followers of his and how to do this life well, how, how to honor him. And in this section, he, he starts off, and he's actually going to cover four different kind of elements, but they're all about the same thing, about how to have a right relationship with God, people, and his creation, and how to be a fully devoted follower of him. And he comes out, and he, and, and he says the golden rule. Now, do you guys know what the golden rule is? <laughs> Who makes the gold makes the rules? Yeah, that... Uh, <laughs> That is, that is true, yeah, uh, Jesus' golden rule is, right, so, so he starts out, and that's do unto others as uh, uh, you would have them do unto you, unless you're like a freak or something, then don't do that, but, but if you're relatively normal, well-adjusted human being, uh, so in verse 12, do unto others what you would like them to do to you. This is an essence, this in essence is all what is taught in the law and the prophets. Again, he's, he's referencing the Talmud of, of, you know, love God, love people, and, and it's always interesting, I think a lot of times that, especially in the 20th century, the church lost sight of it is as important to God how we treat others as how we approach him. And we see this again and again and again uh, throughout the theme of Scripture, especially in, in Jesus' teachings. He says it again and again and again. And here again, we have the, the golden rule. And in Matthew, uh, earlier on, if you remember in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus said, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses and the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And what was the purpose of the law of Moses? Bueller, anyone? <laughs> the, 
The purpose of the law of Moses was to show us that we were in need of a Savior, that if you look at all the 613 laws uh, of Israel, basically you could boil them all down to uh, how to interact with God, how to approach God, and, and how to be in a right relationship with people and, and God's creation, how to care for His creation. This is the Ten Commandments. The, you know, the first part is how to approach God. The second part is how to interact with humanity. The, the, great, uh, the great commandment that Jesus boiled it down even more is holistically love God. Love God with your heart, mind, stre uh, soul, strength. And equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the reoccurring theme of, of how we are to do life. There's actually many parallels uh, to the golden rule in in religions uh, throughout history, and, and they're usually referred to as the silver rule. Now, does anybody know, besides Michael, <laughs> what the silver rule is in other religions? Anyone? The silver rule is, is this. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That's the silver rule. Don't do to others as... You, you don't want them to do to you. Now, this is interesting that, that, that Jesus goes and, and, and puts it a positive spin on it, not because, you know, Jesus was a positive thinker or something like that, you know, that, that there's a reason. What, if you're, what can happen if you're abiding and basing your life on the silver rule? Don't doing something that you don't want done to you. You don't have to do anything. You can fulfill the silver rule by, by, by seeing somebody uh, who's hungry and not feeding them, and you are good. And the golden rule requires action. Because what happens if, if you are hungry and, and you, you know, lost your wallet? You, what would you hope somebody would do for you? Buy, buy you food, or if you ran out of gas, or, or, or if, uh, you know, any, any normal, you know, any, anything. You know, that one thing that I absolutely love, and this is like such a small thing, but it always strikes me, is when I'm uh, done with my, my shopping cart, that's the West Coast version of a buggy. Okay, I just translate for, for you. Uh, when, 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 I, when I, it's empty, and like, you know, if it's not empty, the next part's theft, but, but uh, you know, once it's empty and it's in, in my car, you know, it's, you, you're, meant to, you're meant to, I don't know if you know this, a lot of you clearly don't, you're, you're, you're meant to take your, your shopping cart, aka buggy, and put it in the little trough thingy, right? Right. Yeah, right. right. So... But I, I love it when people are like, what? And then there's somebody here going like, I leave it out because I'm creating jobs. <laughs> you're not creating jobs, you're a jerk, right? <laughs> Thank you, Desmond. So, uh, so I, this is like, this is like, this is way too drawn out for the, like, like there's no huge aha at the end of this, this part. But, but I absolutely love it. It really strikes me out guard when somebody's like, well, I can go and like, would you like me to take that with you? Or with, no, wait. For you. For you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm all, 
that's really cool. Now I don't have to go and put it in the trough or I don't have to be a jerk and leave it there and create jobs, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, somebody's taking care of that for me. And that's like a real easy way that it always strikes me that, like, you know, they didn't have to do that. In fact, they probably didn't want to do that, but they would like that done for them. And it's just a real, it's a real telling, you know, kind of thing about just that heart of that person. So Jesus's golden rule, uh, it, it has us, it, the positive form moves us to positive action. And I think in essence that, that that's the story of, of the church, of, of the body of Christ, that we're to be the tangible hand of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. He is the mind of the church. And, and you think about the body and our mind, our bodies do what the mind thinks or our emotions desire. And that is us as the body, that, that we are to be the tangible hand of Christ and do the golden rule and to be these agents, even if it's a small thing like, like taking a shopping cart, that, that looking for those gospel opportunities to, to fulfill the golden, the golden rule. The next part, and he ratchets it up a little bit uh, here, uh, is known as the narrow gate. Now, uh, if you read the six symbols of the gospel or if you've heard me you know, teach, you know that I believe that the narrow gate is, is one of the most misinterpreted uh, scriptures or teachings of Jesus traditionally. What Jesus says is you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell, highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. And I believe that there is a lot of confusion, and there's always been a lot of debate about uh, some of the theology and, and what Jesus is trying to communicate. And you know, I think it all starts with, with a misunderstanding of sin and, and hell, you know, and this highway to hell. What, you know, what does it look like? What is it made up of? How, you know, how does it, uh, how does it work? And I think simply, you know, thinking about sin in a way that, that sin is something that separates us. Now, we just talked about what's important to God as far as... Uh, relationally speaking, that we uh, used to have a right relationship with him. Uh, humanity had a right relationship with one another, and humanity had a right relationship with his creation. And when sin entered the world, that separation happened, a separation between God, a separation between people, a separation uh, between how we interact uh, with, uh, with nature. In Genesis, we're, we're told that weeds are going to grow and, and, and uh, animals are no longer going uh, to be uh, you know, friendly and things like that, that you know, we can be killed by snakes and things like that. You know, all, of these, all of these terrible things. So sin, and I feel, is a real easy way to think about sin when you know, instead of it being a weaponized word, that 
that, that sin is anything that, that brings separation between us and God or us and another human being or, or us and, and God's creation. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's bad, it, and, but each sin has different consequences that, that uh, follow it. So what is hell? What is this, this highway to hell? Well, essentially, hell is the reality of that separation. Okay? So the action is sin. The, the, the result is hell. And if you think about this in, a, in an earthly way, and let's just talk about divorce, that, that the sin starts to bring separation between those two people, okay? The sin can be as is, is easy as, is, you know, not putting your dishes away. You know, you're like, not putting your dishes away is a sin. It is if it brings separation between you and your loved one, all right? Uh, if, if you know that hurts somebody, it's, it's not the ideal. The ideal is we live in harmony. If not putting your dishes away creates disharmony, yes, then it is sin. And these wedges keep getting built in between a marriage. You know, nobody's ever gotten divorced Probably, I shouldn't say absolute, but most likely because one time somebody didn't put away a dish, right? That's not, but, but it's a, it's a cumul, cumulative, uh, cumulative, thank you, F, uh, uh, occurrence of these you know, different sins that starts to bring separation to, to the point where they separate. And and the finality of, of separation is this idea, the theological idea of hell. It is the ultimate separation. And that's literally and eternally speaking, you know, that, that hell is a complete separation from God. Complete separation from everyone you know. Complete separation from the, the beauty of creation. That, that God, uh, you know, made for us, for us to enjoy. And I think a lot of times that, that we, we get bogged down and, and we think about sin as a, a weaponized word or we think about hell is as, as some kind of just like weird, you know, something or other and don't really think about what makes up, you know, what is sin and what is the reality of separation. Now, the good news is the gospel, right? It doesn't have to be that way. That, that, that in Genesis 3 and all, you know, all through humanity, all through the story of God with humanity, and ultimately with Jesus coming and saying, look, you know what? I've come to fill the gap between this separation. That 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 even though sin, there has been separators, I am going to fill that gap, that I am going to bring harmony. And essentially, that, that, that's what heaven is, ultimately, is this idea of there is no more separation, there's no more tears, which, you know, tears is separation, that, you know, it's loss, you know, there's no more hurt, there's no more pain. That, that there is complete harmony between you and God and you 
and, and other people and, and creation, a new heaven and a new earth restored. And I think it's really important to understand that when Jesus is talking about the highway to hell, that, that, you know, and that the gate is narrow, to understand what he's talking about. Because if you think about it in the terms of what separates us, well, that is very narrow, isn't it? I mean, think about it in relationships that, that matter to you. The, the road to having a right relationship with your spouse, the road to having a right relationship with your friend is very narrow indeed. The road to having a right relationship with, with God and others and creation is extremely narrow. And traditionally, it, you know, that this idea is like, you know, it's almost the silver rule, you know, don't do anything. If you, you know, abstain from all these things, then you're on the narrow road and you're like walking in fear and all these kind of things. But I don't think it is like that. In fact, I think that on both sides of the road that, that there uh, are two extremes. Yeah, there's hedonism on one side, basically just doing whatever you want to fill your flesh and feel good. But on the other side is self-realized holiness, trying to be pious and trying to be good enough. And, and that is just a different lane on the highway to hell. And you have this, this one narrow road, and that narrow road is, is, uh, leads us to Jesus. I mean, this is Christianity. This is our buoy. You know, we come back to Jesus again and again and again. You know, if it's interesting. We, we know this. We know that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, that, that we are Christians, we carry his name, we are followers of Christ. We are to be disciples of Jesus. And we know if we keep our eyes on Jesus and we keep moving toward Jesus, that, that we're not going to vary off to hedonism and we're not going to vary uh, uh, off to self-realized holiness and try to be good enough to make it ourselves. And, and you know, when we, we can, you know, it's almost like when we do that, we're distracted drivers, right? That's all the rage that, that the buzzword is distracted drivers. And, you know, it's very dangerous. Why is it very dangerous? Because you're taking your eye off where you want to go. You're either self-indulging and looking at a text or, you know, you're, you know, looking at something, you know, a Carl's Jr. or a Hardy's billboard or something on the hedonism side, and, and, you know, you run into a post or something like that, right? That, that you have to keep your eyes focused on Christ. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that I do it all the time. But I'm saying that, that is the, that is the, the narrow way. And that is what Jesus is talking about. So he continues on in this kind of uh, idea of, of, of what it means to be a follower of him in verse 15. And he says this, Now beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. 
you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush? No. Or figs from a thistle? No. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So let so every tree that does not produce <coughs> excuse me, good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Results. The results of actions is a re, another reoccurring theme in Jesus' teachings that, that he says uh, uh, also that I will be shown right by results. And I think that this is really difficult in our culture to wait for results. We want instant gratification that, that you know, things like, you know, uh, you know, share this, you know, Jesus post and, and, and you'll be blessed today. You won't be blessed because I'm hunting you and I will curse you. I just, you know, I like, so, you know, things like that. Or, you know, we want this instant, instant blessing or, or we see posts of, of like, oh, you know, uh, we did this action and, 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 you know, it's all okay, it's good, and I want accolades and give me likes and things like that. And, and we're like, oh, you know, I got 100 likes for this, you know, behavior that I did or this action that I did, but we don't have the ability or, or it's very difficult in our culture to know what the follow-up is on that action. What happened after the 100 likes? What were the results? Whose lives were benefited through it? How did you grow? How was God glorified through those decisions? And I think that this is one of the, you know, a real difficulty in, in an age of viral videos and in the, in the age of, of, of people who, you know, uh, can have a tweet that, 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 that goes viral or, or gets retweeted a million times and, and gets some sort of uh, instant fame. Because there's no, there's, there's no lag time anymore. Now, it's the reality we live in, but as Christians, as followers of Christ, we need to be aware that 100 likes in, in five minutes isn't right by results. Right by results is takes time. Right by results requires a lifetime sometimes to see if somebody's actions or behaviors uh, have have actually created something of beauty and of value. And it's the measure of a life, and it's a different measurement than. Uh, the world has in a lot of times. And then finally, he comes in and he, and he finishes up with this, this last section in verse 21. He says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. So it's pretty interesting. There's a couple of, couple of things here. And, and I think that Jesus... Uh, is really tapping into this, uh, uh, what would future, uh, in the future be known as a salvationalist kind of theology of just, I'm saved and I'm good. Are you saved? Are you saved? You know, and, and here Jesus is, is, is confronting this, this theology before it even happens. And he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. Now, that word Lord there is, is kurios, which it's a person who has absolute rights over your life. So just saying Lord, Lord, without the acknowledgement that Jesus has absolute right to your life. If Jesus says, you know, Go to Africa, you go to Africa. If Jesus says, you know, stay here in Tallahassee and love your neighbor, you stay here in Tallahassee and love your neighbor. That it that is that hard and that simple at the same time. That that you're keeping your eyes locked on and you say, You have absolute right, Jesus, to my life. And this is why he later on says. You know, not everybody who says that means that. Not everybody who says, I want a Savior, actually wants a Lord. And then he goes on, he says, only those who actually do. Now, that, that word do is, is poyo. And, and it's, it's to make. And in the context of, of Jesus is those who, who are making gospel pockets in a broken and messy world. So those who say, you know what, Jesus, you have absolute right to my life. You are the Lord of my life. You have every bit of right. I give up my rights to you. And then he says, you know what? As, my, as the Lord of your life, as someone who has absolute right to your life, what are you doing with that? How are you being about what I am about? If you wonder what Jesus was about, read John 17. He tells about everything that he's about. And in saying, you know what? I am going to be about my father's business. I'm going to be about my Lord's business. I am going to be about creating beauty in ugly places, that I'm going to be about creating gospel environments where there is no good news. And he goes on, on to say, look, on judgment day that some people are going to say, you know what? We did, we did these different religious activities. And ultimately, he's going to say, I didn't know you. I didn't know you, that we weren't, we didn't have that, that connection. And go away from me, 
those you who break God's law because you're not covered by my grace. You chose not to. And this is the hard reality. This is the very hard difficulty when we get into it. So where does that leave us? I think ultimately that if you turn to Revelation, that I think one of the most beautiful and and just clarifying gospel statements that Jesus makes in Revelation chapter 3, in verse 20, says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. And at the end, Jesus clarifies that, you know what? The gates of heaven are more like the door to your life. And you don't get into heaven. You let Jesus, you open the door of your life and let Jesus in. And you recognize him as your friend, but also you acknowledge him as your Lord, as someone who has absolute right to your life. And that's a tenuous relationship. It's difficult because sometimes we get confused because friends let us slide and things like that. And we appreciate that we're covered with grace. But also, when it comes down to it, saying, you know what? You are my Lord. You have absolute right. And I want to be about your business. Will you guys pray with me?